a Pulp MX Network production. With your support of our sponsors, we have reached over 800 podcasts and counting. Click that Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out. Donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, support your moto addiction by buying from our sponsors. It's the Steve Mathis Show on RacerX.com. Presented by Fox Racing. The original moto podcast. Featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome to the Racer X Online Podcast, St. Louis Supercross Review. Thanks for listening, everybody. Appreciate it. RacerX.com forward slash subscribe for the latest and greatest magazine things from the folks at RacerX. And, uh, hey, yeah, read some stories that uh, myself wrote and uh, Wygan and, and Chase Dallo and many others. Also, Foxhead. Fox Racing, the global innovation leader in motocross racewear, Ryan Dungey, Kenny Roxon, just some of the guys that wear Fox, and uh, 2016 Flex Air stuff out now. Mountain biking, casual, uh, they've got it all. Foxhead.com. Visit your local authorized dealer or go to foxhead.com and check them out. We thank those guys for coming on board also. And uh, let's talk some St. Louis Supercross with uh, my buddies. First up, uh, two-time German Supercross champion, uh, two-time Montreal Supercross champion, uh, top privateer forever, former Subway, Honda, Excel, Yamaha, uh, BTO Sports, Suzuki, um, many other teams. The Jason Thomas. What's up, JT? Oh, not too much. Just, uh, man, I worked all three days this weekend, so uh, you reflecting on a long weekend. Where did you go after the race on Sunday? What did you do? Uh we had a ride day, um, just a local dealer supported ride day on Sunday, uh, just outside St. Louis. So, oh yeah, uh, yeah, wow. kind of never ending. That's alright though. Uh, you meet any po- podcast fans? Uh, yeah, always. I mean, it's, oh. you know, anytime I feel like we're around the sport, you get some people that are you know, yeah that are tuned into it, whether it's this show or the Pulp Show or something that we do. Hmm. We have it's a pretty wide uh, footprint right now. I think as far as uh, motocross media. Speaking of footprints. My boss, the RacerX Online editor, Jason Wygant, expanding his footprint. What's up, Weege? Yeah. So you're cheating on us. Do you want to tell the, the listeners about how you're cheating on us? Yes. Uh, it's double podcast day. So let's see. I haven't been in the last few Supercrosses. Mm-hmm. And then today I'm going to the NBC Charlotte Studios to do the weekly NASCAR podcast, where they think they're going to talk to me about the crossover lately between uh, you know, NASCAR Supercross chase format. They had a couple of heat races over the weekend, uh, but I'm just going to talk about NASCAR. There will be no Supercross. So you're going to a studio to do a podcast. And yeah, are, yeah, the, are, the, studio. are the hosts like a big deal? Uh, Nate Ryan, who used to be the head of um, NBC or USA Today's NASCAR coverage, he moved over to NBC. Um, good friend of our old buddy, Denny Hartwig. Uh, so I've been hammering on him, hammering on him. It's almost like my, uh, it's almost like my pulp hockey of uh, experiment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, trying to get in on this. Trying to get in on this. Well, what if yeah. those guys are better than us, than JT and I? What if you like them better? Actually, I'll be honest. Uh, they only started doing this, I think, in January. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll put our podcast right here. This little show with us. I'll put it up against anything. Okay. Or any other. Nice. Oh, we're good. That's what I'm trying to bring to the table. I'm trying to say, listen, man, we got we got stuff to offer. We're good. Wow, what about when you get in trouble, when people listen and we say things and then you get in trouble like you did last week and you have to hash it out with somebody? Uh, oh, yeah, that does happen. Yeah, I'm going to be – I have to remind them that you get a lot more opinionated. That's the one thing I think they're missing. They're, they don't realize that you can get a lot more opinionated on a podcast than you can in type or on TV. We need to spruce that up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, we each had to – Normally, but you got to be careful who's – actually, no, I'm not even going to complain. I feel like everything we say on here, will, no. you know, we back up, and if, if anyone calls on it, we usually have a pretty decent, you know, back and forth. Yep. And everybody either agrees or agrees to disagree, and it's fine. I'm just really I'm happy that thinking. someone else is just putting out fires. I like that, other than me. Yeah, well, I mean, your fires are like California wildfires. They're just <laughs> a lot harder to manage. Um, well, JT, looks like we're going to have him. He's not cheating on us totally with NASCAR. He's only going to have an affair with NASCAR podcasts. 
Well, I'm just happy I'm, I'm going to Foxborough. You, you guys screwed me over last week, so. Well, you know yeah, what? One, yeah. one, battle, one battle at a time for me. <laughs> just worry about getting yourself on the podcast each and every yeah. week, JT. Yes, I think Weech does no wrong at this point. I'm just trying to back, get back on everybody's good graces. <laughs> If I told Wygant that he could skip a podcast, he'd be like, cool. I say, JT, you got to skip a podcast, and you get very bitter. I don't. Well, if I could skip I a podcast, a, I would. It's my it's, equipment, it's though. Different per, it's different perspective because you have the equipment, so you're a lock. I have to. Weej is the online editor, so he's a lock whenever he wants. I'm the fringe guy. You know, it's been Ping at times. It's been oh, Albertson at times. So I'm, I'm always the, uh, the guy who's crawling, right. crawling up the wall. <laughs> Oh man! Um, all right, St. Louis. Let's let's get to the bottom of it. First up, um, the Pike and Ashley Grant Twitter feud feud is over, but it was awesome for a little while. I like that. That's funny. I like Twitter. Pike is probably the best on Twitter right now. He's probably winning Twitter if you count the the Cole Sealy thing, a few other instances. It's great stuff. He's just not scared. That's no. the whole thing. He has zero filter on Twitter. Zero. <laughs> it's awesome. and, and every other thing he does. I know, right? Um, let's well, the good thing about that, you know, the I, I agree with you, Weege, but most people don't get access to the other side. You know, we kind of yeah. do, so we know that. But the Twitter really opens it up for everyone. I agree. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, let's talk about Stu. Let's talk oh. about <laughs> Stu. Uh, West, and it ties into Pike, by the way. Um, Pike tripling in and uh, taking James out. I I was battling a few people on Twitter. To be speaking of Twitter, uh, I watched it again. I saw it live. I watched it again. I still see nothing wrong. James moved over. He should have known that some guys were tripling there. That was a common move. Um, that was a racing incident. I don't think anybody was at fault there. What do you think, JT? I think I can agree with your point. To what's the blame extent? pie? What's the blame pie? I would say uh, I would put a little bit more on Weston than I would on James. Okay. I'll, uh, I'll give you he, that. 60-40. Yeah. Sure. 60-40. Well, and the reason is you can't – anytime you triple to the inside of someone, you're taking a big risk because, you know, the race line is always to the inside, especially especially when those guys were just doubling, you know, kind of double single. you got to know that that guy's going to cut across the inside. That was the line if you didn't triple to the outside. So – Anytime you triple the inside, you're taking a big risk, and you kind of saw what the consequences were, you know, if they go sideways. I just think in that situation, maybe you've got to check up. But I also know that how, you know, how frantic it is in those heat races to get into those top four. Mm -hmm. And Weston had a lot of pressure behind him from Reed and other guys. So I think he was in a bit of a panic trying to get around Stu also. 60-40, Blampie? I'm good with that, yeah. Good with that. I think maybe, maybe a little more. Maybe a little more on Weston just because I think, yeah, maybe so, because I think Stu has got to hear Weston triple there also. You've always got to be aware of where people are yes. around you, you, you know, yeah. on Stu's side also. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm 64, but I think definitely Weston pressed the issue a little bit more than, you know, than Stu was at what's all. Your, what's your take on that incident, Weech? I actually have to consult with JT. I have to go to my cabinet, basically, before I can have an educated answer. Um, just Help me out here, JT, first of all. Uh, how aware can Pike be that Stu is going to double? Like, how split-second is the decision? Can he even know, or is he already in the air? Like, how does that all work? Yeah, you can, because you can see somebody's acceleration and their body language, and you can hear their bike. So, I see. to go 2-3 there, they were having to go 2 and then hit the 3 really hard. And not only can you listen to their bike, you can also see them preparing uh, to basically for the the abruptness of going three. So, uh, I mean, it's really, really quick as far as your reaction, but, I mean, that's what Supercross is. It's, you know, these guys yeah. are our greatest split-second reactions like that. Yeah, in that case, I think i got to agree with you guys. I guess it's more on Pike. And I know that you, it's an easy defense to say, you know, guys were tripling there the whole time, which they were. But um, and, and in addition, I think it was too late for him to react to that, but Stu did look over almost as in a – uh, I'm not going to be tripling. I hope you don't. I think it's too late for Pike to react to that. But uh, still, I guess if you're saying the riders can make the decision that quickly, and obviously they do all the time, then you got to put some of that on Pike. 
Well, yeah, I think it was it was both both of their faults a little bit. Um, I just yeah. You know, and the only reason that I go back to being a little bit more Weston's fault is because of the fact that he triples to the inside. That's just such a such a precarious move that you've got to be yeah. sure. There there just can be no doubt in your mind what the guy in front of you is going to do if you're going to make that move. Um, now obviously, uh, okay. So you, we, you we talked about it. yeah. Um, you know, Weston's probably a little more at fault, but. Now, James, a lot of things that's going on with Stu are self-inflicted. He's not in the shape he needs to. Um, his skills aren't quite where they need to be, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But things like what happened in St. Louis and other things, like this is, this is amazing. This is in just one anvil falling on you after another. And it's not always James's fault. It's, it's getting to the point where it's laughable. I said that he, you know, after his heat race crash, he's dealing with an ankle injury, and I tweeted, like, he's, there's no chance he's coming out for the semi, and he didn't, and you knew that. But, uh, yeah, we just is phenomenal. Like, it, like I said, it's not all on James. Things are just happening like this that, that uh, yeah, are just unbelievably. This is just, it's unbelievable. I, I, I don't know. Just like we said, we're going to maybe put a little more on Pike, but we're going to put some of this on James. I don't feel like you can say that. Okay, he had a mechanical problem in the main event last week. Obviously, that one's not on him. Well, that's but what I'm saying. Like, 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 right? The mechanical, the lapper, like the lapping thing. thing. I, I agree. However, I think so much of what's happening, there's always a percentage of putting yourself in a bad situation. For example, he crashed last week. That's what messed up his ankle, right? Like. I don't know why that crash happened. Like, some fan shot it from the stands. We saw it. It was kind of like, why would James Stewart, like, land on some tough blocks and crash like that? Like, what's up with it? Mm-hmm. Um, now, I suppose the Anaheim one thing um, was definitely, certainly not all his fault. Uh, you know, Dungey was the one that hit him. I don't think you can put all the blame on Dungey. But I feel like almost none of the things, except maybe a mechanical in the main event last week, is the only thing I could say there's nothing on James. To me, part of it is, like, there's got to be some level of his – um, mind isn't where his body is, or his body isn't where his mind is, and he's trying to fight back to his injuries, and he's not in the shape that he needs to be, and he hasn't had the time of the bike that he needs. All of these things, that's part of it every time. You know, if he was 100% ready, fit, healthy, had everything where he wanted to be, most of this stuff probably wouldn't happen. So I don't think he's really to un, uh, uh, off the hook in almost well, any circumstance. I mean, I think like the the – the Pike thing this weekend, you know, it wasn't really his fault. The mechanical thing, the lapper thing, the A1 thing. Yeah, but hold on, hold on. What? This is like, I'm not saying it's all his fault, but for example. Yeah, you're really coming down hard on him. You're a hater. I, I know it's going to come across the way because it's James Stewart. I'm kidding. I'm hate. joking. Right. But let's just say, okay, in this heat race, he starts second. The one guy on earth, the one guy on earth that James Stewart will go to his grave not letting beat him. Is Michael Lefton. And he can't. He's, he get said that. Yes, he has said that. Like Tennessee, the Tennessee scrub. Yes, he, he has said uh, that. You can just tell. Like Michael Lefty, uh, even more than Chad Reed, I think, is like, there's one thing I know. Michael Lefty will never beat me. And he makes three or four huge mistakes while behind him uh, and then loses touch with him. Then he gets passed. Then he's got guys all over him putting heat on him. Then he doesn't triple out of that section. Uh, you know, if he was riding awesome, that wouldn't happen. If he was riding awesome, he wouldn't have been last in Atlanta. And, mm-hmm. and that's just what I'm saying. Like, when you put yourself – the same thing as dudes that get bad starts and then crash. Like, partially you're just putting yourself in a bad position. He's riding with a broken ankle. Bad things are going to happen. That's what I'm saying. What's the – if there's a win pie, JT, for Stu, what's the chances he ever wins again? Like, there is a chance, of course. He can pull it out. But mm-hmm. I'm – if 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 there's a win pie, I'm going less than ten percent that he ever wins again. I don't know how he's going to get out of this hole. Yeah, we had a pretty interesting conversation about this on Saturday night. Right, and uh, I don't I don't see him in his current form winning. Uh, and I'll, I'll give you the recipe if you want, you know, and and this is free of charge for James. You know, if you want to oh. write this down. Oh, nice guy. Yeah. Uh, he nice. basically needs to take a bunch of time away from the races where he can train properly, get into shape, off the bike properly, 
uh, and get refocused on the task at hand. Because what's happening right now is he's not prepared, he's overweight and out of shape, and he's just setting himself further and further and further behind each weekend because he's hurting himself and he can't ride the next week and he hurts himself, something else, his ankle, you know. There's just always something that going into the next week, oh, I can't ride this week because I got landed on, you know, or I hurt my ankle in a practice, you know, crash in Indy or whatever the case is, there's no way to build any momentum the way he's going about it. So the only way you can do this is to prepare, and that's why these guys like Dungey and Roxham, they, they do these boot camps because you get uninterrupted training day after day after day. You get yourself into shape. You, you lose, you know, you get down to fighting weight, uh, and you come into the season ready. And I have not seen that form from Stu uh, in over two years now. I don't think he wants to do that. I, I Yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Want to, right. listen, I'm not – I've been there every step of the way, as you guys have, for James's dominance and the level he was at. So if he's just over it, hey, man, more power to you. But if he's not over it, that's how he's going to have to do it. If he wants to beat the likes of Ryan Dungey and Ken Roxon and, and Eli Tomac outdoors and all these guys, that's the level it's going to take. Well, this is the problem here. The one thing he did have was plenty of time to do that. And since it didn't happen, <laughs> I mean, he had time. He did. He, he did had, have time. He had more time than any rider ever. Because no one's ever been healthy and forced away from the races for as long as he does, and that's the part that that uh, that worries me. I know I, I probably do sound like a hater here, but this is that's what you're saying is almost my point. By being not prepared, all these problems keep compounding, and that's what it all. If he had passed Michael Lefty and left him, there wouldn't have been any being run into by Weston Pike. But he's not able to do that right now, and that's leading to all these problems. Yep. Yeah. It's uh, the blows keep coming. I've said it before. Just just come back and yeah. count. And now you know there's. I mean, there's things going on behind the scenes that James is not happy with his bike. His dad is not happy with the bike. And there could be a chance that he leaves Yosh Suzuki next year. He's making calls. That's a fact. It's a long way from happening. But, you know, just uh, I don't believe it's the bike. And I don't know if anybody on this podcast does. You know, <laughs> I, don't I don't think it's all the bike. I don't think you're going to find a magic bike out there. You know? No, I, I don't. I, I would agree with him, though, that I think that Suzuki is a bit behind in development. Uh, and that's, I mean, that's, you know, I've just ridden the production bike, and I can tell you they're behind with development. So uh, they haven't had a major overhaul in the motorcycle. I, I know that changed things, as, as you know, Mike would tell you, but I just don't, I don't think that the Suzuki is on, on par with the highest levels of bikes right now. And that's, that's a cyclical thing, you know. We've seen that, you know, Honda had the best bike, I would say, in 2012, and then it didn't came along. It, it changes from time to time, but I think the Suzuki's behind the right now. All right, get out of that garbage can that you're in. Uh, I'm not in a garbage can. Okay, well, whatever you're doing, it's sounding not so great. Um, Weege, uh, let's talk about the 800 seat race window. Good job. Good job by him. He rode great. I was yeah. surprised as shit that he won that heat. And But, hey, uh, tip of the visor to him for sure. You know, the last uh, two races even before that, I think he got a, what, a ninth and a tenth or a tenth and a ninth. Yeah, he's like gone. Yeah, no, he's gone. Like, yeah, like 11, 10, 10, 9 or something, like in the last three yeah. or four. Yeah. Kind of quietly uh, stepped up. And I also feel like I know that everybody makes fun of that Anaheim one heat race he won when he cried the one time. It's bizarre to me. It's almost like with Mike, because he's won two or three heat races here and there, like just similar to this, where you're like, wow, where did that come from? Yeah, 9-11-10-10. Sorry, 9-11-10-10, last four. Right. right. So he's gotten better uh, lately, so, so something's clicking. But also, he's won a couple of these heat races like this over the years, like two or three of them, right? I feel like when he pulls a start in a heat, because he's done it before, it's one of those, like he's like, okay, I can win a six-lap heat race. I can do this. And then... It's like that confidence makes him a totally different rider, and you rarely see that happen in the 20-lap main. So I mm-hmm. think he knows he's not going to do it. He's not going to hold shot and lead all 20 laps. But in the heat race, he's like, I got this. I can do this. I've done it before. Wasn't Chad in that heat, too? Yeah, he was. Yeah, so Chad, yeah. what is going on with somebody's phone? What? Once again, we have phone problems. A lot of yeah. rustling. Up. What? Is somebody is somebody dead? Are somebody being no, taken? No, he's in a headset, but it's obviously causing problems. So I just unplugged it. Yeah. Okay. Um, so Michael Lessie just works Canard, Pike, James Stewart, and Chad yeah. Reed. Just yeah. See you later. I'm winning this heat. Good job by Mike. Um, yeah. Yeah, and, and those are some good results lately. So 
Um, and, and well, it goes to show you what can happen if you get to start yeah. and put in a really, really good first lap and mm-hmm. stay out of the trouble. Because if you look at all the drama, yeah. it was between all those guys, and he was just one or two seconds ahead of it mm-hmm. and avoided all of it. Yep. Um, after Dungey went to the semi, he had the ninth gate pick. Wow. And, and yet he ends up right next to the guy who has number one, Kenny Roxon. And he's on the outside of Roxon, which isn't so great. But JT, uh, nice little berm on the outside of the first turn, perhaps bigger than it's ever we've ever seen in a while. And Dunge just goes hard into that outside berm. Uh, he doesn't get officially get the whole shot, but uh, yeah, um, you know, just one of those things that I just had to go like, how does he have that gate pick? How is that even possible? <laughs> yeah, and I think everybody went to the inside uh, just because they didn't want to get pushed wide there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, what we've seen, and, and back to this the conversation we just had about the Suzuki, obviously the KTM has their starts figured out. You know, it's whether it's Dungey or Brayton or whoever, it seems like those guys are at the front. Millsap, too, uh, every time on the start. So I think Dungey has a lot of confidence. So if he gets a good gate and, the, you know, the exit route is good, he's not scared of, you know, being able to get there first. So I think we – just saw his confidence level both on the start and in his riding that he just went for it from the outside. Unless he had the number two gate pick, guess where he goes? Outside. Outside by the box. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that's total Dude, confidence. That's a thing. confidence move. Yeah. It's the same thing we said about these KTMs maybe four or five weeks ago. I mean, you watch that start maybe 20 or 30 feet out of the gate when they grab the next year. Dunge just goes a half a bike length ahead of everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but also credit to him. I mean, we've talked all year about how he keeps sneaking to the inside, which he tried to do in the heat, and it pretty much worked, but then he fell in the next turn. Mm-hmm. But this time he was like, all right, they're going to get the inside. I'm going to run this outside berm. I'm going to go into this berm harder than anyone has ever gone into a berm, and I'm going to make that work. Yeah. Like, whatever he needs to do, he can just do right now. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Um, Jason Anderson strikes again. Uh, Brayton's third. Probably at worst going to get fourth. He he was riding well. Anderson was on him though, so Anderson probably was going faster and probably should have gotten third. And but Brayton would have got fourth. But Anderson put a move on that. If you know Justin Brayton, he's a pretty nice guy, pretty mellow. He was fuming after the race. Uh, um, they both, unlike Pike, who tripled in, these guys doubled and singled in, and Anderson just kind of launched off the single right into into Brayton before the triple and uh, pushed him off the track. Uh, what do you think of the move, JT? Well, I just think it's what we've seen from Anderson all year, to be honest with you. Uh, I know from talking to other riders, they're pretty sick of it, and I think that uh, you know these guys have just got to self-regulate because it doesn't seem like AMA is going to do anything uh, they generally don't do much even worse than you know for items worse than this but anderson's built a pattern of these this behavior and uh it's been going on all year we've seen it with steely we've seen it with Braden. we've seen it you know with lots of guys so uh you know if, if, if it's me just start just start taking it in your own, ha- own hands basically mm-hmm. because we've even heard fim you know the fim manager tell these guys you know you 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 take care of it. You handle it yourself. Well, I reached so, out. I reached out to John Gallagher, and he said the incident is under review. Last night. Yeah, and, and yeah. I heard that they're going to do some sort of probation or whatever. Yeah. Uh, we'll see if that actually happens, but I, you know, at this point, they're really not giving the riders any other choice but to basically self police it. So hey, yeah. <laughs> if, you know, Anderson's riding really well, which makes it tough because right. he's going to the front, but. You just if if he's going to do that to you, hey, just give it back. You know, there's there's really no reason at this point to to take it anymore because you know it's coming, and you know he's got it coming. So just hand it right back. You know, let's get it on. Um, Weege is a little bit different too because there's a little bit of politics at play because Husky and KTM are the same manufacturer, and there's a little bit of politics about hey, if Anderson doesn't do that move, KTM goes one three four, KTM slash Husky. And things are better. Like, there's a little difference with Anderson doing that to Brayton. Uh, I guess so, but I, I try not to overthink those things. I mean, in the end, it's Forrest Butler's team and it's Bobby Hewitt's team, and I don't think those two are seeing it that way. Do you, do you think they think of themselves as allies? Um, as they- I think Forrest does. Yeah, I think Forrest. Well, th- as far you know, as yeah, there, I like know there's things that there's, nice, there's things that, the, that there's things that yeah. these two guys go to Roger about because hey, what do we? What's the plan here what's the etiquette you know blah 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 but you know whatever it may be so 
I, I agree with that. I'm sure Monday through Friday or um, September through December, uh, I'm sure, yeah, exactly. Their bikes are probably quite similar in many ways, and they've probably had meetings, and they know that in the end, deep down, they are aligned. But I don't know during the 20 laps when right. it's third and fourth place if that really comes into play. I mean, they're still somewhat private teams in their own way, and there's two team owners that are competitive. And what's making this Anderson thing so vexing, except for what happened in Atlanta, which I guess we're going to see, by the way, this weekend on the next Chasing the Dream, uh, I think on Sunday is uh, a lot on the Atlanta Sealy and Anderson dust-up, which may be... Oh, no. Oh, no. Bobby Hewitt's going to be so upset because the media is building it up. Yeah. Yeah. But... With that one, I mean, I think even Anderson said, all right, I hit him pretty hard. He did, yeah. Uh, right. But I think with every other one of these things, he, he keeps falling right into that thin line of it's not a straight, dirty takeout. It's an aggressive pass that's maybe a little over the line. Like, every one of them is him just pushing the envelope, you know, just more than most people will to try to make a pass. It's not a Jeff Chicken Matasevich, I just like taking dudes out. Um situation and that's what i think makes it so tough even on the uh john gallagher or the ama people like where where do you draw the line well what blatant takeout and what's ah, that was just a really aggressive pass i I have a question i have a question for you each before we jump away from this on the etiquette thing with ktm do you he would never do that to dungy he would never never make that move to dungy no no i agree so so, I, I mean, uh, on a KTM level, you know, and I, I know for a fact they have a, you know, a, a KTM Husky brand etiquette, like they're supposed to all race cleanly with, you know, they're all under the same umbrella. He wouldn't, you know, so where why is he making the distinction there? Obviously, he, oh, I was he, thinking he knows was better. He knows better than to do it to Dungey. That's what I'm saying. Well, but that that's a little he, different, uh, JT, I, too, because they're friends. They okay, ride all week he, during the week. So, it's just like, it's also, just like. Like Brayton not tuning up Sealy because they're bros. Right, but, but they're saying he, you know, Anderson is basically saying like, "Hey, man, I'm going to the front." So yeah, well, Dungey's been in your way when you're going to the front, and you did nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, actually, we talked about this way back because there's been so many of these things with Anderson. Um, didn't we also think that a lot of it is the perceived level of who's in front of him? Like, I'm going to the front, get out of my way, and I don't think that's ever really the case with Dunge. Where he's like, this dude, I need to get around this guy. I'm faster than him. I can win. And I, I feel, didn't we say that like two months ago? That we think a lot of it is he's picking on, say, Baggett, who he feels like he's on a different level then. And, and uh, he truly is, if you look at the results. Yeah, he is. Yeah. 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 So I, when, when I, I agree to he would not do it with Dungey, but I was thinking he wouldn't do it because A, Dungey's the champ. A, Dungey's maybe a little faster. C, he works together with Dungey week in and week out. I was thinking that was a difference. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, to break. And I would, but I would you're agree. right. I didn't know there was a brand thing like that. There actually is. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. And we did definitely did talk about that. All I'm right. saying is that if you're Brayden and you're these guys that are sick of it, Sealy, just, you know, gloves are off. You know, if, they're, if, if no one's going to do anything about it and Anderson's just, you know, he's obviously taking advantage of the situation, then, hey, let's, you know, yeah. let's, let's do it. You know, let's hit him, hit him with a folding chair. <laughs> well, yeah, I wow. know what you're saying next is what is Brayton able to do about it? You know, if they're saying settle on the track, is Brayton able to do that? Like, yeah. from brand etiquette perspective, can he go out there and have pure justice? Well, technically, no, but I'm just saying you have to defend yourself at some point. Right. So that, no. yeah, you're right. This is well, going to become a real dilemma if they're saying put it in your own hands. But I didn't. literally six riders in the main event can't because they're on the same brand. Did you guys, uh, did they show it on TV? Yeah. Okay, all right, I was yeah. just checking. I didn't watch the main yet. I just watched that Pike uh, Stu thing. Um, what did you think of the move, Weege? What, what did you think of the move itself? We, we didn't actually talk about that. Oh, it's like I said with, with almost all of them. It's, to me, it's right in that thin line, mm-hmm. and everyone's going to have an opinion. You could easily say it was too much, or you could easily say it was right at the line and not over. I mean, mm-hmm. I feel like that's almost everything Anderson has done this year. It was similar in a way to uh, he put Barsha over a single of a triple in, um, uh, I guess it was San Diego, yep. San Diego one. It was similar to that, maybe a little bit, uh, just the way uh, Brayton ended up kind of landing awkwardly. It was maybe a little bit different, but similar to that. Yeah, it uh, should be and interesting. And that Barsha one, absolutely 50% of the people said that was ridiculous and 50% of the people said that's racing. 
Well, after the race, uh, Anderson was very upset at Tickle for saying he costed him twenty grand because he cost him between the difference between second and third. But I watched the yeah. video of that, and there was nothing that Tickle did. So maybe Anderson's judgment is just a little clouded or off or something because he was really pissed at Tickle. And I watched the RCH video, and he didn't, Tickle didn't do anything. He was fifteen feet ahead uh, of him. So yeah, I think yeah. that was a, that was a, that was a an example. And I've been guilty of this in my own racing: is you made a mistake, you saw someone in front of you and that was your scapegoat. You know, I, I think in Anderson heart of hearts, he knows he screwed up there, Right. but tickle was an easy person to yell at cause he was right there, you know, and, and obviously he was in his peripheral. So, well, but it might be I an example know. of controlling your emotions a little bit. No, I a hundred percent agree. I'm yeah. just saying that's where I think he was just looking for someone to yell at because he screwed up. Well, Brayton was also looking for someone to yell at. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, pretty pretty amazing that Brayton got that mad. He was not happy, for sure. So Yeah, it takes a lot to get him there. Yeah, so. yeah, it does. Uh, Bogle rode great to get fourth. Uh, Bogle, Grant, and Chad and Kennard had this like little mini battle going on for a long time. Um, Grant looked a little winded, and he eventually went back to six, but then got docked two points, uh, two spots for the jumping on a – the Red Cross, when Brayton was down uh, from Anderson thing. Um, and Kennard was moving forward, but uh, and Chad had some clutch issues. And Bogle got fourth. Chad got uh, – Trey got fifth. And then uh, and then Chad – it was a good battle, JT. Yeah, it was. Um, I You know, I think uh, Josh Grant was guilty of jumping on the red there. Uh, but overall, it was a great race. You know, I was, I was interested more than anything seeing Bogle move up like that. I thought that was really impressive by him, which – Something we haven't really seen. It's it's kind of been the other way around. Like mm-hmm. a great start, move backwards. So uh, impressive ride from him, and you can kind of see the improvement he's made uh, in recent weeks. Um, you know, Chad, I don't think was thrilled with his result. You know, he kind of I don't want to say lucked into a sixth, but the, mm-hmm. the JG penalty helped him uh, instead of getting seventh. And I don't think going into the weekend he was all that confident, and and we kind of saw that on the track all weekend as well. Two hundred starts for that guy. Two hundred starts. I can remember Michael Rocco at the same race, which is funny. It happened at St. Louis. Michael Rocco had a 200th race as well. Oh, really? I don't remember what year that was. Yeah, wow. I just remember being in the tunnel. Oh, wait. Didn't Wyndham have his 200th at St. Louis? He got a tractor? Uh, maybe it was. I apologize if it was Wyndham. I just yeah, I remember think, No, I think it was Wyndham. It was Wyndham okay. at St. Louis. Okay. I remember that. The pits. I remember talking about him in the pits. Um, okay. How many Supercross starts does Nick Way have? I want to say one... 70 or 180. Okay. I'm not positive, though. Yeah. All right. Dude, doesn't it not somewhat show how, how to me, it almost makes Barocco's record look more impressive. Like, Chad Reed is 34 years old. He's kind of known as a guy who doesn't get hurt and miss races a lot. Mm-hmm. And he's still going to need almost two whole years to yeah. catch Barocco's record. Yeah, Barocco's what, 220 something? 228, I believe. 27. What's the what was the big one five? Did he he never hit two hundred? Obviously, no. Red Dog actually wasn't very high. Yeah, I got hurt a lot. Right, wasn't a ton. Yeah. Um. Anyways, uh, yeah. So interesting. Two hundred starts for for Chad Reed. So, uh, he told me after the race he was working on a two year extension with Yamaha. Two years. So wow, he'll catch the Rocco. Yeah. So, um, what else? Um, Marvin Starthook. Marvin Muscan came back. His Starthook got. Jacked up about three quarters of the way through the race, so he had to pull in the mechanics area. It's never good. Uh, Porcel didn't look like he wanted to be there at all. Even in practice, maybe he's had got some injuries from last week. Uh, even in practice, when he was trying to do a Porcel and pull a hot lap, he would come across in like seventh and eighth. So it wasn't a good weekend for him. That was weird. I, I really expected him to be good on that track, at least mm-hmm. in practice anyway. It was technical. It was ruddy. It wasn't overly fast in most of the sections mm-hmm. uh some sections you know were before the finish and all that but it it was a technical you had to pick your line very carefully type track and he just didn't seem to have it he didn't have that magic so yeah uh, he kind of honestly was qualifying about how his racing goes you know that seven eight nine spot so a little bit strange but hey it happened. um yeah yeah maybe he was hurt i mean he crashed pretty good in indy so maybe Maybe there were some injuries going on there. Uh, Dungey told me that Nick Way and Nick Schmidt were just taking each other out, trying to take each other out. I asked Nick about it, Nick Way, after the race, and he said, yeah, Schmidt's an idiot. But I never really got to the bottom of it, other than I got a very biased one-sided account. Although Nick Way is not the type of guy that, I mean, if anybody knows uh, 
you know, etiquette out there, JT. It's Nick Way. He's not going to start slamming anybody. Yeah, I was. Uh, I honestly was watching that, and I was just like, they were just messing around for laughs. I'm like, somebody <laughs> just end it. Just get it over with, because I'm tired of watching you guys. Like, they were checking, and they weren't really getting super dirty, where it was just full on body to body contact. Mm-hmm. But it was just a stupid cat and mouse game, and they were. 20 seconds ahead or behind anyone. <laughs> I'm like, what are you guys doing? Well, like, asked, just either yeah. just stop and let the guy go or take him out or do something. I was asking, um, I was asking Dungey about the lappers and Dungey was like, yeah, you know, they were, they were tough. They are tough. There's a lot. And then he goes, and then Nick way and another guy were trying to kill each other. And I, that makes it hard too. <laughs> so, um, what else? Uh, um, well, we talk about the, I mean, uh, it's funny. This has become so predictable now. We haven't even really talked about Rockman and Dungey battling it out. We've yeah. almost taken that. As exciting as it's been, we're almost taking it for granted now. Ah, it sucks. Rocks and fell, for sure. You yeah. Know? Um, Very great. Yeah. It, it's, it, to me, I'm just kind of like, well, I wish this Roxon was around beginning of the year, you know? Yeah, I agree. Like, you know, Dungey's got 45 points, so it's like, well, all right, yeah. awesome. You know, let's move. Uh, let's let's move on to outdoors. Is, is almost you know what I'm, I'm ready for type deal. Uh, Barsha was better, but still not very good. I asked him after the race, "Would you like to do an interview?" And he said, "Fuck no." And he went into the truck. So that was great. Um, and you also said it. Wow, right here on the pod, dropping it. Yeah, whatever. Uh, oh, Tomac. Tomac did press day, and all day long, JT in practice, he was out front right away in practice. At the top of the board, looking great. Like he, I really thought. I think I put him third in my fantasy, uh, fantasy uh, shows because he did press. He looked comfy. He looked great. The dirt was his dirt, uh, where you can grab his handful of throttle, and he can rule. And um, and it just didn't happen. Yeah, starts are just yep. killing him. I mean, I know he crashed on the start, you know, and and Trey was back there with him, but. His starts are way too inconsistent for me to put him in a podium spot because he's he's not necessarily faster than Anderson. So if he doesn't start with him, he's not going to beat him. And I haven't seen any 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 consistency mm. in his starts to think that he's going to be ahead of Anderson early in the race. Hmm. Yeah, tough day for uh, for Tomac. But Trey, I thought Trey was really impressed because Trey was down with Tomac at the back. The was beginning. he? Yeah, and Trey, yeah, Trey was he that far back? back okay, yeah. yeah, he was. He was last from the start. Him and Tomac were were both down. Yeah, yeah, it hasn't been great for Trey, but he's he's ridden all right. At least he's he uh, rode great. At he, least, honestly, yeah, he got all the way to fifth. I mean, his ride was impressive. He passed all you know all the way up through and almost got over the last lap. So yeah. he was you know maybe a lap or two from fourth. The the thing is with him, yeah, he's at least limiting the damage now. He's still kind of having some bad luck and. Some of it's self-induced, like we just talking about with Stu, but uh, you know he's at least he's putting it in the top five these days, which he wasn't for a while. Well, it's it's the same. Well, I don't want to say it's exactly the same as Tomac, but it's the starts. I mean, the starts are just atrocious in the main event. It's KTM guys, Husky guys, man. Like we just said, it's nuts. Yeah, but I mean, even if you take those guys out of it, you can't start twelfth. You know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Got to be at least you know five, six, seven. Trey is so good, and he's he's a. He's whole shot at so many main events, you know, he should be starting better than he is. You know, I'm not asking him to whole shot every race, but if he could just put himself on, in fifth on the first you know, lap, at least he gives himself a chance. You know, what's crazy was a few years back, it was all Hondas off the start. Yeah, all Hondas. And that's, and that's what I was saying about it being cyclical. You know, the, the bikes evolve, and, you know, year to year, you, you hear just, you know, rampant talk through the pits. It's like, oh, we can't compete with this bike. And then two yeah. years later, it's, oh, we can't compete with this bike. Yeah. Uh, all right. Listen to this commercial from Race Tech Suspension. Use the code Pulpamex uh, sixteen to save yourself money at Race Tech uh, Suspension. Uh, get your oil change done, or get the right revalve, or whatever you need. And also, um, Michelin Star Cross Five, brand new tire out. Michelin Star Cross Five, MichelinMotorcycle dot com. It's a great tire. Chris Kiefer developed it, helped develop it, and uh, it's working out well. Listen to this commercial, and uh, we'll be right back with uh, the two fifty class. Hey, thanks for listening to the BTOsports.com RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. Racetech people, Racetech.com. These guys have been in business for over 30 years, supplying racers, riders, and tuners with factory-level suspension to everyday racer. There's a lot of top suspension guys in the pits that got their start with Racetech. Trust me on this. There's more than a few guys that have learned underneath Paul Feed and gone on to, uh, to great things. Paul Feed, the original suspension guru. I guarantee you... 
eh, probably 82.7% of you people listening to this podcast need some sort of suspension work, whether it's uh, just a simple oil change with new bushings and seals, give your bike some love, whether it's the right spring rate for your weight and or speed, or maybe you just need some revalving on the machine to uh, help you uh, take first place in that Chicken Licks Raceway. Something something uh, on your bike needs attention for Racetech. I guarantee you. Freeze, Gilmore, some of the guys just using uh, Racetech Privateer Proven. They work with uh, Ben LeMay also. They're back with Ben LeMay. And uh, they offer a full line of Racetech high-performance springs. These springs are called high-performance because they're extremely lightweight for their rates and feature the tightest tolerances in the industry. You want to save 10%? At uh, Racetech, go to Pulp MX 2015 when you order. You can save 10% at Racetech.com. And they're uh, proud sponsors of this podcast, and we thank you guys. All right, back to the show. Michelin tires are back, people. MichelinMotorcycle.com. Michelin Starcross 5, brand new, available in hard, medium, soft, and sand. Uh, their off-road tires are some of the best ones out there, and they've revamped this whole lineup. There's no one who knows these tires better than our own, Chris Kiefer. When they're calling it comfort casing technology, what are they talking about? Is this a fancy marketing term or what? No, it's actually the carcass of the tire itself, so how much it flexes or how you know sidewall stiff is that you have when you come into corners. And what's cool about this tire is even from the previous version, on the MH3, it gives more. So when you hit square edge or you're coming out of a corner with some bumps, it has some give to it. And it's more comfort, so it doesn't feel so rigid. A lot of that has to do with the, the CCT. So you're telling me the comfort casing at the end of the day, maybe it helps you a little bit to have some suspension in tires. Yeah, obviously it's flexing a little bit, but also, too, when you come into corners, you don't want it to roll on you. So they've got that dialed in to where you come into a corner and you still have enough stiffness where it grabs and bites, but yet straight line, you have comfort. Hey, as a former factory mechanic, Kiefer, I know all about mounting tires, um, so no problem for me to mount anything. Right. Well, maybe not a moose. Uh, you found mounting these new Michelin's uh, pretty easy, actually. Yeah, I'm a great test rider, but my mechanic skills are novice at best, so mounting the tire wasn't too bad. They sent me a bunch of tires to mount before testing, and I was out there busting in the garage, and normally you got to put some tires in the sun, let them soften up a little bit, but this... Um, the bead rolls on really nice. I didn't have to struggle. No curse words were, were sworn in the garage. So uh, it was a lot better for me, you know, putting these on. Four versions of this tire. They cover all the uses, Kiefer. Reduced weight, comfort casing technology, mounting, traction, handling. They do it all. Starcross 5, MichelinMotorcycle.com. Thank those guys. Check them out at the local dealer people. These guys know tires and they know what they're doing. And we're back. RacerX online podcast uh, presented by Fox Racing, uh, racerx.com forward slash subscribe to the magazine. Jason Wygant, Jason Thomas, this is the St. Louis Supercross uh, race review. Um, 250 class, it's the series that nobody wants, Weege. It's the series that nobody can quite figure out right now, which it makes it for awesome for us. Or not. Keith is on, or uh, Weege is on mute. Oh, sorry, I had the to... Had a lot muted there. Uh, Trying to make your audio clean. I know that uh, Jeremy Martin points wise is still pretty far out of it, but well, he's 16. 16. No one's out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No one's out of it. I mean, uh, there's still three races to go. We know Vegas has the potential to maybe even give you a few more uh, points if a guy's getting in between. So the way this thing's going, who knows, man? He could still be in it. Yeah, great ride from J-Mart, uh, got the start and just was able to ride by himself and uh, get away from everybody, pulled away from Plessinger pretty good at the end. I asked him after the race, Weege, I'm like, hey, man, like, you never know, like, this series is pretty nuts, and you're, you're kind of right back into it. And he, J-Mart was like, no, nah, I'm out of this thing, pressure's off, I'm just going to ride it, you know, I just could do what I got to do. And I'm like, huh? So. That's, that's what you tell yourself, though. See how well he rode all of a sudden? <laughs> yeah, yeah, really, right? Yeah, that's it's, it's like JT said, Johnny O and those dudes just being like, yeah, you're out of it, bro. You're done. Forget it. And then yeah, he goes out. Right. And then he goes out and wins, right? Um, I, I've i been saying it over and over about Mookie. Like, is he, he, he's not doing Mookie things. It, things are looking great. Blah, blah, blah. Well, not this weekend, JT. <laughs> Three crashes. Yeah, that was, uh, man, it's just par for the course. And I think anytime, anytime, you, anytime anybody thinks that you've got to figure it figured out in this class, it uh, it goes sideways for you. And uh, it, man, we saw that from Mookie this weekend. Is um, he looked like he had everything figured out? And even I had people coming up to me this weekend saying, "It seems like he's got it. You know, it finally has sorted out all of the problems he's seen, and 
it's it's time for Mookie to take over, and then nope. <laughs> So, I don't know where we go from here because every time I think somebody's got it figured out, and it looks like maybe Plessinger is that guy now. Uh, I would, you know, I would be knocking on wood and uh, yeah. doing all kinds of things, wishing on a lucky star this week, you know, for Aaron that things don't fall apart for him. Yeah, um, yeah. Some the Mookie's crashes were just weird. Like they weren't like talk about like just racing. They were all his fault, and they all were kind of just out of the ordinary. You know. Just what do you? Yeah, that, they were just him pressing the issue. Yeah, he was he was in a bit of a panic because he saw it, you know, things unfolding and unraveling, mm-hmm. and that's just trying too hard, you know. And we've seen that over the years, and it generally happens to the two fifty guys that are a little bit less experienced. One point, Weege, Mookie over Plessinger. One point. Uh, yeah, I don't even know if that even matters that much. It could be ten. It could be five. Like <laughs> this wings massively. Uh, who the heck knows, man? I mean, definitely looks like Plessinger's on a roll right now. Um, but uh, he to... actually really hasn't had a horrible race, so maybe he's due. <laughs> we're supposed to get rain this weekend in Boston, and we've seen oh. Plessinger in the ruts. So, man, this guy could done his fair share of mud races, I'm sure. This kid could be super. Car- to rain Friday and Saturday, actually. This kid could be Supercross champion. Like, be crazy. I was thinking. Uh, I was thinking about that last night, and I thought. Uh, I mean that. As far as the plan for him to advance to the 450s, like he would, all, he would basically. How would that work? He would only be able to ride just next year only, right? Then he'd be out. So how that works? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're allowed to defend yeah, I think it. You get yeah. one year to defend. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm sure that's a year earlier than they thought, but uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I, you'll take it to win a title. But I don't think that was in the, the plans of like, yeah, when we sign this guy, he's going to have a decent rookie season, win a title, and then he'll be on the 450s by 2018. Mm-hmm. McElrath third, kind of rode by himself most of the race. Uh, there was a big battle for fourth. Hampshire Audet, uh, Hampshire eventually got it, uh, even though Grady Featherstone, something happened. Grady Featherstone did not like Hampshire, tried to take him out. <laughs> yeah. I'm uh, not really sure what happened. Um, good ride hey, by. Could you explain Audet's race to me? Like, I, I could not. Like, he crashed with Mookie yes. in the sand. How, did, how was he up there again? I can't even keep track. <laughs> it was. <laughs> Yeah, it's one of those races, man, where it just was really weird. Yeah, Odette was, uh, uh, he crashed with Mookie, uh, goes down in the sand, but I don't think he, he just got up right away. He wasn't, he wasn't like way back, you know, because if you look at the lap chart, he was never that far back. He was like seven. Yeah. Um, he got up pretty quick, but Odette is, he's, how'd you feel if you're Tyler Bowers? Like, Odette's just working you. A long time privateer. Well, yeah, it's super I mean, weird because Bowers was crazy fast in the heat race. Yeah. He was obviously on the top of the board all day in practice. So I think Bowers is just like, man, what am I doing in the main events? Because I, I, he is faster than that right now. There's no doubt about that. But it's just not working out in the main event. A-Rod got another solid ride. A-Rod with a six. Last week he was what, eighth or seventh? Seventh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Fry? yeah he definitely got it together right now. Yeah. 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 My man Marty doesn't have it together. He, Your man Marty, my man, my oh, man, Marty. Ma- my man Marty. Right. He could okay. be in this thing, but not working out again. Eleven straight years of not working out. Do you go to sleep with a smile on your face because it's not working out? I don't. I don't care. I just like you said, JT. He's signing contracts that people are throwing in front of him, and what, yeah, what do you expect you, him to you do? Blame him. I mean, what do you I, expect him to do. So I put it on these guys that hire Marty. I mean, he just, I want, he just, you know, he had troubles in the first turn, I believe. Um, and then, you know, um, got up, worked up, and then just cartwheeled. You, you, you're, you're like, just, he's a veteran. He should be better. And when you look at everybody had a bad race, including Marty, which he missed one for visa problems. But so everyone's had this bad race. No, no. Family issues. Family issues. Oh, yeah. Family issues. So everyone's had this bad race, except for Marty. And so he could be right in this thing if he, you know, with his bike and his skills, he could easily be right back in this thing. But he's not, once again. So, um, much, to, much to your pleasure. Not my pleasure, but, but hey, how about Audette? So, well, how about this uh, jerky team managers? Pick up, look at Audette. Now, he was, if you put Marty and Audette on a supercross track and drop the gate, uh, Marty is faster than Audette nine times out of ten. Skill wise on a motorcycle. Marty Davos has it over again on it all day long. But there's something about being a racer. And Odette is one, and he's got a bike now. 
And he's now beaten Marty two weeks in a row. And, and, and how about we start looking for more Gannon Audets? Do you think that do you think that Mitch would choose a whole season of getting fifth and sixth or one win? Uh, one win. Well, okay. First of all, Marty can't do outdoors. So, are you gonna? Are you getting one win in seven races versus fifth and sixth all season long, including the outdoors? Well, I'm not talking about outdoors because I don't. I honestly don't think Odette will be on the team outdoors. But but, but what I'm saying is is that the season that we race is indoors and outdoors. We have 29 races and we have 18 for 250 guys, and Marty can only make six every year. Okay. Well, all I'm saying is that. Winning trumps all. That's all I'm saying. Okay. All right. It does. Um, I, I'm not the one making decisions. I'm just telling you that's we've, it's been proven time and time again. What about Benny Bloss, JT? Do you want to tell us Benny Bloss could have a new home? Uh, I don't know. I think he's he may be in, in line for a filling spot, but I don't really think that's my place to okay. talk about all right. quite yet. Throwing it out there. See if you want to drop that bomb on everybody. Well, um, no, that's not my place. All right. Um. Fry, Alexander Fry with a seventh. Good job by him. Yeah, yep. he rode well. Yeah. Out of the LCQ as well. Yeah, he's way back, right? Yeah, he crashed on the mm-hmm. uh crashed on the start of the of the heat. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you're starting off shitty and moving forward. Um, okay. Anything else? Weege? You gotta go to your NASCAR podcast or Weege had a lot to a lot of observations from, you know, not going to the twelfth race in a row. Yeah. 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 I'm upset now. I can't miss any. I, I'm going to these last three Supercrosses, and then I got to go to the Nationals. I, I'm I'm out of races to skip for the rest of the year. Kind of a uh, kind of sad. Well, make sure we you, make, make sure we you give it right back to JT, uh, who will not be going to maybe uh, eleven out of the twelve outdoors. Yeah, yeah I guess I, can. I, I guess I can. And like you know, here's, here's the lesson that's been learned over and over and over. So yeah, I think it's literally five weekends, four races that I skip, and the uh, world keeps on spinning. And uh, the industry has not been affected uh, a one. So uh, much like an addict, if you can just get through that first. I, I, I'm with you, man. It's not bad being home. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, I'm not bagging on you. It's well, no, no. What I mean is, oh. what I mean is uh, the value that I'm bringing to the table. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really hasn't. Uh, yeah, like things are still all getting done, is what you're saying. Yeah, Everything's so getting done. Anything. Right. Sport, Racer X, myself. Uh, the stock would have been uh, affected not a one. So. Well, you want to know how significant you are in the world. Basically, unless you're uh, Ryan Dungey, uh, everybody else is pretty much expendable. Well, one thing you couldn't do, Weege, was be on Supercross Live like JT. I wouldn't uh, apparently be doing that anyway. Uh, I'd love to be. Uh, how was I'll that? You know, again, they had Ping on there, so maybe we're all good. You and Ping were both been on, so. I was on, on Vegas. I was on one time, but only to give the Stank Dog $500. I think Holly got it, made it happen, but... Um, they didn't seem to want. They seemed to like not. They couldn't push me off there enough or take a break quick enough after giving Stank Dog his five hundred dollars. So I, I don't really count that as an appearance. Oh, you're losing. Uh, like nobody asked me anything. They just said, "Pay the man, pay Stank Dog, and leave." We are too scared of your opinion. Is basically what they were saying to you. <laughs> no. I should make a push for the New Jersey round. I should say that I have, uh, you know. Uh, extra uh, local knowledge of the event, mm-hmm. and I uh, bring that to the table. I would like to be on the show. I mean, we got plenty of time in our hands at these races. We could easily, all three of us, that show could not be more perfect for us. We're three pundits that are at the races. Well, sometimes. <laughs> they would never uh, They would never put me on. They would not want your observation? <laughs> no, they would not. They would not. I don't think. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, but I, I don't think so. You are the Rocky Mountain <laughs> wild card. <laughs> It's like I'm some animal. Like, I, like I'd show up with like a the Hannibal Lecter mask on. They'd roll me out. Like, just no, they'd tie you up and wheel you out like King Kong. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, in, in in more filthy Phil news, uh, Tickle and Weimer uh, apparently had their first experience with filthy Phil this week. They went out to some sand track riding where he was, and they they Tickle's like he's got some anger issues. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, he does. He was riding, and J-Mart almost lapped him on a 250F, and then he came in and started swearing at the bike, and, and he said he hated his life, and he hated the track. <laughs> these guys, these guys, oh. Weimer and Tigger yeah. are like, what? I don't really know. Weimer's like, I don't know Phil, but he's got anger issues. And no marriage is on the, the side, just nodding. Of the yep. remote. 
Yep. Um, oh, um, uh, J-Mart was watching something on TV, and uh, he said it was right near the end, and it was getting good, some show, and Phil took the remote and changed the channel, and J-Mart was like, hey, I want to watch that or something. I want to watch the end of it. And Phil said, well, come wrestle me for the, for the remote if you want it back so badly. So J-Mart and him get together on the floor, and J-Mart says that Phil just beats him down, makes him cry uncle, uncle or something, makes him yell uncle is the best, or, or I, don't, I don't know. You have to listen back to the interview. And, uh, and then worked him. And then Phil got to watch his show. Huh, and, then, good. and then J-Mart said, my only revenge is beating him on a mountain bike and then almost lapping him on a 2 of the F. So. <laughs> <laughs> Day in the life of Phil. Phil. So, um, oh, great. Yeah, it's, it's good stuff. Uh, what else? Anything? You guys yeah, excited yeah. for this uh, going to Boston? No, I'm not. I'm not. I can also <laughs> say. I mean... It's, 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 I, you know, I've driven out there before. I've visited Boston before. I've spent time there. It's a really cool city. And I've driven by Foxborough Stadium. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's just a, well, it's another day, day race, which, JT, what do you think about that? About which part? Being a day race. Oh, Same sorry. Um, you know what? In the morning, it was a little rough. You know, well, I, I thought, I yeah. thought asking riders, to, you know, especially the West Coast guys, to be up and functional that early with time change is, is a big ask. Because I can see guys on track walk, they were just out of it. But for me, I didn't have to be functional. I could just show up. And I'll be honest, as the day went on, I liked it more and more. Um, yeah. Starting in the afternoon, I thought it was awesome. Just because there's so, you know, the day seems so long for a normal Supercross, you know, by... By the time the night show starts, it feels like you've been there forever, and, and honestly, you have. So it, it was nice, and, and being done early and being able to actually enjoy the city or, or do anything, go to dinner or whatever, after the race was really cool, too. Yeah, everybody was talking about it in the pits. Like, what do you think? What it, and really, like, to me, six on one, half dozen on the other. There's some great things about it, but getting up early sucked. So if well, there's any... not for you, because you missed all that anyway, so you didn't no, you I got didn't there at that. 7.20. Saw Knowles at JGR, and that's as far as I made it. Um yeah. But um, if they could can somehow make it like um, 10 a.m. to say 5 p.m., that'd be great. <laughs> but I don't know if that's going to happen. So, um, how was the. Was it weird uh, after the race? Was there like more people available to talk to? Were they out of there quicker? Were they taking their time? Like, what about. That yeah, part? I think people were hanging out more. I don't know. JT kind of yeah. splits fast, I think, so he doesn't really know. But I think there was more people hanging out. Yeah, I do. So. I was at the hotel at six. Actually, before six, like five fifty-five, I was at the hotel. Yeah, wow. You, you um, that was awesome. I'll tell you what. Yeah, you 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 don't feel like worked. You, you like you get up early. That sucks and everything else. But at the end of the day, like you're pretty tired at midnight. You know what I mean? After the race, when you're yeah. running around and you get back to the hotel, you're pretty tired, uh, and as you should be. You you're not tired like in the day race. You're just like, oh yeah, let's go. Like, I went to dinner. I, I, I did my post up my podcast. Uh, you know. Rode a little bit uh, for uh, on track off road, so yeah, you feel like you're a little bit, you know. So, well, the problem with the regular Supercross schedule is that um, I mean, you really don't need to be there. It'll say ten, you know. There, there's almost no point in getting there earlier than that because hardly anyone's there earlier than that. Mm-hmm. But you don't wake up at nine thirty. Like you just end up with two or three hours at the beginning of the day. You're awake, accomplishing nothing, and then at the end of the night when it's two in the morning and you have a five a.m. flight and you're working still. You're like, man, I wish I could have had those two yeah. hours in the morning back, but you can't. Do you, do you think, you ever see anything where they go to this full time? Like, I mean, they're doing it to fit into TV windows, right? We each, that's what they're doing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I don't think, yeah. I don't think uh, it, it would just depend on that. Like, I guess if they were on Fox Network every single uh, Saturday, maybe. But you know what? I think, I, I might have mentioned this last week. It's almost like two ships passing in the night. Like, they finally got live on a regular network. At the same time that I think the Saturday night I can just count on Supercross being on, mm-hmm. it's starting to catch on. Well, Saturday night's a graveyard for TV, though, right? Like it's which it works out fine for putting it on FS1. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah, I yeah. think they're fine. The same formula they've had for forty years is actually just starting to come around. At the same time, <laughs> they've now got the opportunity to stop doing it. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, interesting. Yeah, I think Saturday, Saturday night's the sports night, though. You know, college football, UFC, Supercross. Um, yeah. I think that Saturday night's a graveyard other than sports. That's prime time for hockey, hockey night in Canada, the, the, the n- number one longest running uh, sports show on TV. 
Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I don't really know yeah. anything about what you're talking about, but I'll, okay. No hockey night in Canada. Yeah. We can we can tag that on. Okay. Um, I, I guarantee you that there's people that, in general, like they know Supercross, but they're not maybe reading Racer X or any other websites. I don't know if there are any others. Um, they're not reading it all week. Pulp, but Saturday pulp, when they're at a party or pulp, I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. Um, when they're just at a party or hanging out or drinking some beers with their buddies, and they're going around. They'll be like, oh, yeah, maybe when there's a commercial on during some game they're watching, they might be like, oh, it's Saturday Night Supercross probably. I'm going to check it out. Like, I think that's becoming a thing. Mm-hmm. They don't – they probably didn't even know. They were probably like, "What? why is the race not on? A um, couple questions before we go, before we wrap this thing up. First up, uh, who's going to win the 250 title? Weege? Uh, I guess I can no longer pick Martin. I was hanging sure on. Sure you can. 16 back. He's 16 back. There's three races right, left. No. I'm going to go for it merely from the standpoint that that's what I said first. Okay, well then, if you can't pick Jamar and you got to go with the the one point, the two guys that are one point difference, who do you go? Uh, I'd pick. I'd still pick Mookie. I think one thing we saw at Mookie is that he's so damn fast that even the cra- I mean, dude, he not only crashed three times, but did you see that first turn? Like, yeah. he basically crashed in the first turn. I don't know how he survived that. Anyway, he's so darn fast that he still managed to get ace. Like, mm-hmm. how's he going to not get ace? The bike would have to break with one of those crashes. Yeah. I'm going to go with Mookie, too. What about you, JT? I'm going to go – I'm going to go with Plessinger. I, I picked Martin just like we did, but I'm going to go with Aaron just because of I think the weather is going to be a huge factor the next two weeks. Yeah. Yeah, that could be. It could work in his, against him, too, but, yeah, exactly. It, it's, uh, yeah. I just don't – I don't yeah. think that's so likely. If, if the weather's bad, right. that's the best thing that Plessinger could hope for. There are some that have said, people that would know, I claim that Aaron's dad, Scott, is the greatest mud rider in the history of the world. <laughs> Stop it. Which, Better which than sounds Stephen crazy. Everts. I know Stephen Everts is, is supposedly unbelievable, but Ohio mud is the worst mud, I think, on earth, and Scott Plessinger was a bad dude in that. I mean, you're talking three-hour mud races in the woods. Um, there's some mud riding prowess in those jeans. His, his mom I, give you, I give you Stephen Everts at Fox Hills 99. His mom was I a mudder. Know. His dad was a mudder. He's <laughs> a mudder. Right. Um, do I uh, do I go on my rant about how Jeff Alessi needs to get black flagged, or anybody no. anybody that does that? We're or, good. Okay, we're good. All right, because we're good. It happened ag- tonight. It happened. Ag- tonight. It happened again, and I yeah, just that's a, tonight's a better form for that. I don't understand what Gallagher and these guys are seeing, and they're just allowing him to ride around the track. Like I remember, how- remember when we said now we're good. <laughs> Yes, I remember that. <laughs> it's nothing against Jeff, okay? I just, anybody that does that, any rider that skips sections of the track can't race anymore. You can't race. You broke the rules. You can't race. <sighs> okay. RacerXOnline.com forward slash subscribe for the latest magazine news. And uh, Fox Racing, foxhead.com. JT, visit foxhead.com if you're a local authorized Fox dealer. Doesn't have Fox? Uh, no, I think I'm good. Okay. Weege, um, have fun in your NASCAR podcast. Yeah, we'll see which is better. I'm live in studio. I mean, that's a big step for my crappy phone. Oh, they do it live? They do the podcast live or they just record it? No, record it, but it just, I, they just so happen to record it in Charlotte. So yeah, I can actually go right, first. right. I see. It'd be like if, uh, if I lived in Vegas, I'd be at your house right now. Right, yeah. All right. Well, yeah, have fun. And uh, Jason Wygant, Jason Thomas, this has been the uh, Racer X podcast, St. Louis uh, Supercross Review. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. See you. Thanks for listening to the Steve Mathis Show presented by Fox Racing. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Storbeck is that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunas. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a 
handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And, and Magoo was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right. And, right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't have been there. The Hurricane Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think yeah. he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern day guys in Switzerland or Poland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? Right. They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home. And once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take the money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, like beating a dead horse, I mean, you know, and I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Pro Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I pulled pick and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. Been no problem. My my ego got in the way, you know. The O Show, Johnny Omar. Stuff that you could you sit there, you didn't even want to ride it. You just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in. I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes Store to enjoy these and over 800 great motocross podcasts. Hey, 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 hey,